welcome to the panel on RNZ National. Amy Hines and Chris Wikaida joining me today on the panel. Nice to have your company. I'm Wallace Chapman. Firefighters are continuing to battle the Port Hills blaze that has roared across 650 hectares, casting a thick pall of smoke over Christchurch. It's not considered contained and was this afternoon quoted as a long-duration event. A local state of emergency remains in place. Poor firefighting conditions continue in Christchurch with strong winds and hot, dry temperatures expected throughout this afternoon and tomorrow. People are able to check on animals with fins, fire emergency NZ and police support if needed. No houses have been lost. Another meeting for residents would be held at 7pm tonight. With us, first up is Port Hills local Tony Sharp. Tony, welcome. Yeah, good afternoon. Tony, this must really bring back memories of the devastating Port Hills fire of 2017, almost to the day. Yeah, it's a, it's a, a real case of deja vu in the wrong way, isn't it? Mm. Uh, second second Wednesday of February and um, up she goes. It's... Um, Almost unreal. <laughs> yeah. That one in 2017 burned through thousands of hectares of forestry, 11 homes destroyed. Do you get a sense, uh, Tony, from then till now that some lessons have been learned? Uh, 100%, yeah. I mean, it's pretty evident today that they've got as good a handle on things as they can. Um, we've got a typical Canterbury Northwest today, as you mentioned. Mm. It's um, dry, very low humidity. Uh, but they've been attacking this thing since it pretty much started yesterday. And um, no houses lost. Um, I know there's a bit of damage into the Adventure Park now, which is um, devastating for, for that business. Um, hopefully it's uh, around the perimeter and not uh, not too much into their infrastructure. And um, I guess we're sort of sitting back waiting for a wind change tonight from the southwest as well, yeah. which uh, could be a bit of a change-up. That's something that didn't happen in the 2016-17 uh, uh, event. Right. Um, yeah, we were going, please don't turn southerly because it would send it up through Kashmir, but it just feels like at the moment they've got a good handle on it, and um, while it's not contained, they're um, they're doing a, a great job. Yeah, the Minister described it as a world-class response. Uh, you posted some pretty, uh, you know, some some um, uh, pretty big photos uh, on social media regarding, you know, I mean, there's a fire not that far distant uh, on the hills in front of a house. Um, yeah. What are you seeing, if anything, at the moment, Tony? Um, nothing like yesterday. It's um, it's just kind of like you can see most of the hills as a haze of smoke across the adventure park area. Um, occasionally a bit of a flare up, um, and um, so long as it stays that way, I suspect they'll be confident that they can uh, keep it away from anything important. Um, what will be um, out of action for for some time in picking will be a lot of very popular walking trails and uh, and hiking areas and. Um, We've right. sort of been we've been waiting and watching all summer for for this. There's been it was a phenomenal spring growth season, and then it's been a really hot, dry summer here, and uh, lots of fuel. We've been in fact two weeks ago, uh, we had our Scottish relatives here, and we were walking across the hill saying, "Look at all this long grass. We really don't want a fire." Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we've got a we've got a panel with us. I might sort of pop, pop pop in for a quick word here, Tony, um, Amy. 
Yeah, look, I think this is pretty devastating for the people in Christchurch. But I think from the looks of it, if you, you know, this looks like a very solid response that's dealing with the situation. I mean, you'd hope that the wind changes and things calm mm. down a little bit. But um, I think there's been some, hopefully, and it looks like it, some good lessons learned from that 2017 situation. Yeah, stay there, Tony, Chris. Yeah, I think the same thing. I'm very unhappy to see the city of my mm. birth with a big black soot stain on it at, um, on the hills again and not looking forward to seeing it when I go down tomorrow. Um, but one of the things I think the fire response we've seen that with uh, some of the other grass fires around uh, Waimakariri and, and on the northern side of Christchurch, they've been hitting them hard, hitting them fast with air assets with helicopters and things and you know I think one of the things we need to do is without it being a witch hunt or you know a finger pointing exercise always review all of the responses Mm. like this one here look at it okay there's lots of helicopters there did they have the right ones did they have the right capacity and all of those sorts of things should just become part of the exercise without it being a you know an accusatory thing because we need to learn from these with the frequency that they're happening so that Mm. We don't have property lost and lives lost. Hey, Tony, kia ora. Nice to have you on the programme. I really appreciate your time today. Oh, no problem. Thank you. Cool. That's uh, Tony Sharp there, Port Hills local. Now with us is Dr Nathaniel Melia, uh, Director and Principal Science of Climate Precincts. Dr Melia, welcome to the programme. Wallace. Welcome back. Yeah, thank you, Nathaniel. Uh, hey, what's the bigger picture behind this fire? What's driving it? Yeah, so I, I think your previous call there mentioned the vegetation, which is which is a good point to start on. So last year we had uh, La Nina, so we had a load of moisture coming in, which meant we got this mega growth during the spring season. And uh, we've sharply swinged into uh, El Nino, which is the opposite flavour. Um, so what that gives to our eastern regions is these really dry conditions. So um, we're in drought conditions along a lot of these eastern regions, and um, particularly the fire end of the, the spectrum where we're looking at extreme danger with, with respect to these um, background drought conditions. Um, and yesterday was, was probably one of the worst days for the ignition to come. We had that big nor'wester coming in. The relative humidity was down to 20%, which is incredibly dry, and those winds were really mm. gusty as the fire just started to take hold. I can imagine, uh, Nathaniel, that under those particular conditions that you've just described, it would not take much at all to trigger a fire. Now, the 2017 fire, that was, uh, that was arson, but you've also got, you know, malfunctioning power lines, maybe a metal landscape and blades sparking off a rock. It wouldn't take much. Absolutely, a spark in the wrong place. And, yeah, it's, it's kind of tender conditions out there, so unfortunate. Amy? Yeah, look, I think it was the perfect storm, right? And I think also, like, you looked at Christchurch, they were warning this for a little while last week, um, which, again, let, you know, let's just hope that we sort some th- they sort it out um, and they've clearly got a whole lot of resources um, so they can move on. But, yeah, it is devastating for the peace of Christchurch. You know, my partner's from Christchurch. He's mm. watching it 24-7. It's his home. You know, his mates are living out around some of those areas. Um, so, yeah, it, it's tough. Yeah. Uh, Chris? I think we are taking these things more seriously. My son works in the vineyards in Marlborough, and they had some grass fires down there um, a week or so ago, and it was just shut down. Mm. Stop, go home, get out of the vineyards, pick the gear up. Um, I think we just do. I mean, you only have to go back a few years um, 
and the, the, the devastating Wither Hills fire that, that, that raced across um, that part of Marlborough. So it's not like this is new. It's been happening for a few years, but if we're dealing with it better, all good. Yeah. Mm. Well, that's a good point, isn't it, uh, Dr. Melia? Because it would not, it, it won't be just Canterbury affected. I mean, recall the huge Nelson fire some years ago as well. You had 2019's Pigeon Valley Blaze, others. Yeah, there's over half a million hectares of commercial forestry in the Bay of Plenty. So this is really uh, is a story for um, much of New Zealand, really. It is for much of New Zealand. I mean, the Bay of Plenty is not that badly uh, affected by the conditions-wise. Um, is probably one of the worst, and inland Otago um, as well. Um, one of the key things, though, is we don't get natural fire here like you do in most parts of the world. We don't get dry lightning whenever you have a thunderstorm and lightning it's accompanied by rain. So it's, it's human ignition, accidental or arson, um, that we're usually dealing with here. So that's why you, you're, you're getting these regular occurrences at Port Hills. You've got a, a big city abutting against a, a kind of working landscape of the Port Hills, which is then also separated from the Southern Alps, which allows those dry, gusty winds to come in. Now, just finally, and this is something that we may pick up on in the panel uh, later on, you are renewing the call to ban certain activities that may lead to ignition. Uh, and actually, you want um, an investigation, relevant parties to investigate plans and legislation along these particular lines. I, I think it would be, it would be, um, it would be a good idea for these experts to, 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 to at least consider it. You have a look at the Pigeon Valley fire, and you mentioned the landscaping blade um, striking rocks. Um, this fire um, took hold under extreme conditions. Um, I think as, as one of your panellists was talking about with the workers on, on the vineyards there and um, just getting out of, of the way of the situation, Fens did have um, extreme fire dangers up in those um, conditions yesterday on Valentine's Day. So I, I think we can limit some of these more high-risk um, activities when we have these extreme fire dangers because all it takes is a little spark, a little ember and the landscape goes up in flames. Mm. So I think it would be something worth investigating. Nice to in the programme. Dr Nathaniel Melia, Director and Principal Scientist at Climate Precincts. Kia ora, Nathaniel. It's 18 past four. You are on the panel. Uh, we'll have another update for you, uh, uh, our reporter, on the ground just after 4.30. And no doubt Checkpoint will have uh, a lot on the Port Hills fire uh, as well. So do stay tuned throughout the afternoon and the evening. But in other news, as Education Minister David Seymour, Associate Education Minister, rather, David Seymour, is taking on truancy, proposing more use of fines for parents. This leading the front page of the New Zealand Herald today. Now, David Seymour has been handed the responsibility of school attendance. Prime Minister Chris Luxon has put a strong emphasis on school attendance. New Zealand does have a problem with truancy. Less than half of Kiwi kids went to school regularly in Term 3 last year, said the Ministry of Education in December. Māori and Pacifica students, they had the lowest regular attendance rates at 34%. Pākehā students, the rate was around 48%. Asian students, 58%. With us is Dr Delia Basketball, who wrote a thesis on truancy, currently a KiwiNet emerging innovator, has an interest in the subject. Dr. Baskell, welcome uh, again to the panel. 
Kia ora, Wallace. Kia ora, Chris and Amy. Thank you for inviting me into this conversation it's today. A, it's a pleasure. It's an interesting one. It certainly gets the uh, listeners going this one, Delia, as you can imagine. So, look, going after the parents, if you don't get your kids up and out the door, you'll pay the consequences. Fair enough? No, not at all. Not at all. I, I perceive truancy as far more complex than this, and I think we need to get rid of the attribution of blame. It's, it's not good pointing the finger at schools, at parents, at the students. This is historical. It's in the literature that people have been positioned in positions of blame. I'm an advocate for... Um, I'm going to be... I'm now retired from um, teacher education, and I'm now hoping to be a disturber and an, advo- uh, an activist and an advocate for a community solution to truancy. Truancy is a community problem. Yes, but it it's doesn't got to, belong to one thing. But 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 that kind of abrogates society's responsibility of somehow apportioning blame, and part of that, Delia, has got to be the parents, surely. Part of it has to be support for parents, support to get the child to school, support for teachers to keep them in school. I'm not an advocate for any blame or any pointing of finger because it's it's too complex, Wallace. It's way too complex. All right. Okay. There are there are personal reasons, there are school reasons, there are family reasons, and there are societal reasons. Okay, understood. All right, Amy, what's your take? What's your question and your thoughts on truancy? Um, look, I think yeah, it's more complicated than just like you know a fine. I'm, I'm sure who collect it. You know, would people pay it? I think it just then creates a barrier here in that situation. I mean, I think one of the key parts is about actually getting you know kids totally engaged in their education so they're desperate to be at school. And I think the fact of making sure that they're engaged, that teachers understand what's going on with them, is a far better, um, powerful. Um, aspect to ensure that kids show up on time. Don't get me wrong, I think it's important for parents to understand that it's important for their children to be at school and I take it as a massive importance. I've just shown Chris, we've got a little app in our school and it, it tracks the percentage of my child's absence. Yeah. So my kid, um, look, I'm at 20%. I'm going to, uh, I'm, I'm bad. But that's two days right. off in the fact, the scheme of the year. But, like, it's those sorts of things and tools that maybe, you know, lots of schools have access to and different things that they can let there and have those really robust conversations with parents, and they should have confidence to do that and work together to make sure those kids are in school. Okay, Delia? I love what you've said, Amy, working together. Yeah. I think this is the solution that we need to work together. Don't tell me off my 20%, Celia. No, (laughs) not at all. Not at all. I would not tell... I'd be asking what's happening. You know what's happening in the family? What's happening? How can we help you get this child to school? And how can you support us to keep your child in school? Absolutely. All right, Chris. Yeah, it's a, it's a very complex. As the son of a former high school guidance counsellor, and you know, my right. mother went taught right from early childhood through to Ivy League universities. I've seen all different parts of of, of education. Um, these things are never one size fits all. I mean, it, 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 it's like reading literacy. So, are we going to do it phonics, or are we going to do it the other way? Actually, some kids respond to all sorts of things for, mm-hmm. for being taught, and some kids are not at school for all sorts of reasons. I'm just not quite sure how you would make it work. 
Well, you'd make it work by uh, fining the parent $3,000 for subsequent prosecutions. The issue, dear... dear what is, does that change? Uh, well, it's, 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 it's a massive stick. It says if your child doesn't attend a certain rate of school, you're going to get an invoice in the mail for $3,000. Would that be a deterrent, Delia? Wallace, what yeah. happened to you at school when you had to stick? Well, I got it regularly. <laughs> it doesn't work. It makes us, yeah, it makes us comply. But this biggest picture stuff here, we have, pe- no. you know, defined parents. Who are parents? Is it parents, no, no, single no. parents? It but worked listen, on me. They haven't got the money. Uh, they haven't we, got the money. We we were we were given the strap if something happened. If 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 we didn't have the right belt or the right socks, we'd give us we'd get the strap. It was a huge deterrent. I was a very good boy because of the fear of the strap. Oh, Tomatanui High School, if you didn't have the right PE uniform, you got the sand shoe. <laughs> but I think those those concepts can still exist at the school. Like, you know, my son goes to school, it's very important and the principal pulls them up, but the fact of, you know, right uniform, right shoes, those sorts of things. And I think that's the part of the environment that actually we do need to have robust conversations with our kids and say, actually, this is school, this is what happens, and actually this is why you attend. And it's plain simply, it's really good for you in that sense of things. Yeah. But I think they're not going to pay $3,000. Like, that's not no, going to do it. What about... What about us okay. aspiring sports kids who potentially leave school a little bit early or arrive a little bit late because like, they're in training and we want them to achieve? They would technically be truant and their parents would be fined. Oh, no, they wouldn't. They would no, because they it counts. They would. They would. They would. It would count as time outside the classroom and it would. Yes, technically right now it would still count towards absences. Mm. This this is the whole thing I mean about having conversations. You've hit the nail on the head again, Amy. It's about having these conversations and really working together and involving community service workers where needed. You know, it's it's really a complex issue that we cannot just say we're gonna we're gonna find these parents. Define parents for me. Are they single parents? Are you gonna are you going to prosecute both of those parents in the family? Are you going to um, expect them to pay when they can hardly pay their rent? This is unrealistic. It's an unrealistic approach in this economic crisis that we are in. Uh, here's one for you. A huge response, as you can imagine, Delia. My daughter was teaching at an intermediate school last year, and most children in her class were absent two days a week. How can they make academic progress? They can't. They mm. can't, Wallace. If you miss a day, you, all your learning builds. It's a progression. It builds on the previous day, and we have a momentum of learning. If you're absent, it doesn't just impact on you. It impacts on the teacher. It impacts on the other children in the class. Mm. It's really serious being absent from class. It's really serious that children do not engage in learning. This is a huge problem for New Zealand because it's going to impact on our knowledge economy. It's going to impact on our future for children. It's serious. And I do not think that punishing parents is the approach to take. Delia, such a big response. And it is so good to have you back on the panel. I really appreciate your time. Thank you, Wallace. Lovely to hear your voice again. Uh, Here's another one. I taught at a prestigious independent school for a decade. It was hard getting some students to attend despite their parents paying 25 grand a year. No, No fine 
would have overcome the student's anxiety or depression sufficiently further them to want them to come. Fines would change nothing. Wow. Uh, very good to hear your response this afternoon. Uh, we are with Amy Hines and Chris Wekaida. Just a little bit on this. So Australian woman Shakira Coldwell took to social media to share her anger after being hit with a $116 fine from Noosa Council after parking the wrong way on Jimpy Terrace in Nooseville, saying, was I the only one that didn't know that you can get a parking fine for parking nose in, she said in a TikTok video, which got me thinking, are you one of those strange people who insist on parking rear in first? Why are you such a time waster? Text me, 2101. Why do you do it, Amy? <laughs> Look, sometimes I do reverse in. Um, but, oh, I know, like, it, this it, just seems... Isn't it strange? It's well, we sure a... do it the other way around. Over, <laughs> over there, you're supposed to back in. And there was a photo of her. She was yeah. the only car in the line the wrong way around. Yeah. Um, but I think there's a couple of things. One is caveat emptor. You know, buyer beware. <laughs> I- ignorance is not an excuse in the yeah. eyes of the law. You've got to know what your town's rules are. Um, and if you don't, well, that's sort of bad luck, really. Um, and just to be a pedant, I think it's Gimpy, not Jimpy, because okay, there's a mining town to the north of Noosa called Gimpy. <laughs> thank you, Chris. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it depends. Sometimes I go in forward, sometimes I back in. I've even been known to be a, a total dickhead and back into an angle park just because I wanted to show that I was good at backing. Oh, it's probably really? an example of a council just thinking this is going to get them revenue, and it really doesn't, yeah. what we were talking about earlier. Like, I mean, you can get why it's blocking, if it's blocking traffic and things like that, but oh. Is this really like the toilet seat issue? <laughs> well, it just, takes, yeah. it just takes up time. You know, we had to wait in the pack and save car park for so long as someone just very carefully backed into a car park, and both of us were going, why? Why would you do that? You know? Well, maybe just because I think it was- Sounds like a first world problem. <laughs> It's a big problem when you're sort of short on time, Chris. Or well, people you... need to learn to reser- um, reverse. Maybe we've all mm, lost out okay. of rever- reversing. Oh, people mm. are crap drivers. Yeah. <laughs> Save that for tomorrow. <laughs> that's, that's... Thank you, Chris. Uh, big response on this. Um, uh, I hate the stereotyping here, but I'll read it out anyway. Only boomers reverse into car parks, holding up traffic and taking painfully long to change gears and adjust their mirror. No, nope. sorry, I'm not a boomer, and I sometimes do it, so there. Nanny. Okay. Yeah, I'm not a boomer, I sometimes right. reverse, but I do think there's a generational thing there. You do? That. Yeah, yeah, I think there is a little bit of something there, yeah. Um, now, to your, um, to your, I've been thinking, you're holding elected officials to account. You can't blame, uh, sort of looping back to uh, Chris and Amy's, I've been thinking, uh, you can't blame unelected officials for the directives coming out of council, often manned by part-timers with no background who drive agendas related to their own interests or vanity projects. Water and land are their big assets, and they borrowed on water big, and it needed strong oversight, like was modelled on the Three Waters Plan. A commissioner, that's short term. Standards, regulation, oversight. That's what we need.
Amy? Look, I, th- yeah, I think it's a different issue here. I think the fact that we've actually got officials who are giving advice that councillors should divert money away from water. This is this is what I'm talking about in the Wellington issue here. You know, I think the fact that there's also some self-serving things, you know. Officials do talk about where this money should be spending, and I think at the same time, yes, councillors should be holding them to more account in that sense of things. Um, but yeah, um, commission, commission might be short-term. Observer could probably sort it out a few things, but actually yeah. I think the comes to the thing in the Wellington example is like, you know, everyone's getting let down here um, and, and we certainly need some leadership. Oh, very good. Uh, you are on the panel on RNZ National. We have Chris Wickard and Amy Hines. Tired of ads barging into your favourite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.